PGA Nation, we are back. We are back with a big week, the Memorial. I am super stoked for this tournament. It's not quite a major, but it, it kind of feels like one. Like we got all the big names. Uh, it's a tough course. It's got like major feels, even though it's not going to get the title. Um, I'll start giving the congratulations where they are due. Audience was lights out drafting last week. Uh, would have taken home some serious money in the big tournament. You guys won the draft, uh, as is the rules. You guys picked the draft order. Congratulations. Uh, the way we're going to do it tonight, since Carmen and Ivan, you're the first two in the chat, you're going to pick the order. Um, you guys can decide how you want to do it. Work together. Carmen, if you want to do the first two picks, Ivan the second. We don't care, but you have three minutes to pick the order and put it in the chat, because if you don't in three minutes – we're going to have to pick it ourselves and get this show going. We do have a bit of a quicker show for you tonight, so uh, keep your ears peeled, but you might notice us moving a little faster than normal. With that being said, see how you doing tonight? Uh, I'm doing well. Spencer and I were just talking uh, pre-show, Joel, before you came on, about how we both had Sam Burns, and, and we both put out the the live bet uh, at 85, depending on where you got it. Um, I had seen it on Caesars at 80 to 1. And then I saw it on my book at 85 to one. So there was a lot of people in the sort of the wind daily universe uh, that caught that number where it shouldn't have been. So I'm still working off the high. I was talking to Spencer, how I was like standing up the whole time. Like basically as soon as Sam Burns was done, uh, the, the other five guys that were all 10 under still hadn't reached the 12th hole yet, which is when the, where, like, the trouble was going to start. I think maybe Davis Riley had, but everybody else was on either hole 10 or 11. So I was like, all right, I guess there's a chance here. And as it unfolded, it like, I mean, we saw some tickets, Joel. There are some people that put serious money on that bet. Like, by the way, serious money is 20 bucks because at 85 to one, but there were some people that put like four digits on that bet, which like, I'll be the first to say, I do not ever recommend that, especially at an 85 to one shot, whether it's a bad number or not, but really cool that some people were able to like reap some like mega rewards. But if you put anything on that baby, you, you are feeling really good this week. For sure. For sure. I mean, as Spence said, and, and Sia was all over, we all like Burns. Spence was his highest upside in the model. I know Sia picked him for an outright. Uh, and then when the odds got better, and that's what Sia says every week, right? It's like, you can live bet. You don't have to take the pre-tournament odds. And, like, this is the prime example why that's a good idea, right? It was only five strokes back. You would expect, you know, a winner of a tournament can go five strokes back after one day, and so with the tournament, that's no problem. So to be able to get such a big odds jump after one day, was a huge, huge value, and obviously it, it paid off. Uh, Spence, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well, and we were talking a, about it a little bit off the air, and I, I legitimately believe it was a mistake of a line, and, and the reason why I used it for is uh, one of my head-to-head -head bets from an in-tournament perspective in round two is, and I tweeted it out too on Twitter, is that Sam Burns was an underdog in his daily matchup against Taylor Gooch, which didn't seem correct to me on the surface, and then you also got this outright number on him and it was as high as a hundred to one at some of the Vegas books. So whether it was between 80 to hundred to one, I mean, that's just an egregious price in my opinion for the golfer who was the number one upside player in my model. That was only five shots back entering the second round. And I mean, it kind of needed the perfect storm to take place for him to actually win the tournament. But 
Uh, congratulations to everybody out there that did hit it. And then I would be remiss if I didn't at least mention, because there's like hyperbole and over-exaggerations that we talk about on stuff, but it's not even an over-exaggeration an with it. The audience legitimately would have won the 90,000-person contest if they would have played Tony Finau over Abraham Answer. That is wild to me when their hands are tied and all of our hands are tied every single week on the picks. So uh, I think from every week that we've played, I, I know that uh, Sia's had a big tournament at one point. I know, Joel, you had a big one at one point, and so did I. But that might be, I mean, obviously that's the closest anybody actually had because it was one piece away from winning it. But uh, that lineup was inside the top 200, I believe. So uh, congratulations that's to amazing. the audience on that. That's incredible. So great. So good. And, and honestly, I mean, not to toot my own horn, but I did say you guys drafted a great lineup last week. Obviously, I was right after I saw it. So I'll just say you guys can thank me for your great lineup. I, I, I also said always fade answer chalk. So I'm just putting that out there. Fair. And I, I did notice. Sia hates Abraham Answer. <laughs> well, I mean, it's just like it's like guys like him and Brian, listen. I have bad picks too. Don't get me wrong, but like guys like him and Brian Harmon are always like, like during certain parts of the season, it's like, oh, you got to play him here. And it's like, no, you you don't ever have to play those guys. They're not even like, you know, it's one thing to be like, oh, you got to play Webb Simpson here, okay? But like Abraham Answer and guys like Brian Harmon, they're not those guys. So they're like their win equity. I just think is is kind of kind of garbage at the end of the day not that you have to win to justify your price but yeah just not a fan of those guys so here's why i i think i like answer more than you do why well, i think a lot of the points you made about him are absolutely right and fair the good thing i like about answer for for dfs purposes is he's often priced in the high sevens low eights and he does he gets top tens so to be a balanced lineup, you know, you can have Abraham answer, but you're right. There's going to be a lot of cuts he's going to miss and you got to find him on the right course and pick your spots where you can't play him every week because he's not that consistent, but he does. He has better, I think, upside, not maybe to win the tournament, but they'll get those top tens in that range. than I think some of the other guys, so that's why I like to play him, but I totally, totally hear your point. Yeah. I, I think if we're looking at answer, like, like last week specifically on it, because I liked him. That was one of my misses for the week, but he was in the $9,000 range, which is a lot different than that like upper $7,000 range mm -hmm. that you just mentioned, Joel. Exactly, yeah. which will be a decision point for this week where he's pricing the low eight, so it'd be something to talk about, but we have a draft coming up, so we'll wait for it there. Carmen, um, did the order come through? Yeah, so you're second, Joel, but I don't know. I, I don't know that I saw them pick third or fourth, so – we definitely have the audiences first. Oh, I'm third. Okay. Audiences first. Joel, you're second. I'm third. And Spencer is going to be last. Great job, Ouch, Spencer. I love it. Before we dive right into the draft, Spencer, can you hit us up with the course breakdown for this week? I don't really want to right now after getting the last pick. I think I'm going to skip it. <laughs> <laughs> no, all right. Mirfield Village, 7,543 yards, par 72 bent grass greens. It's hard to start anywhere other than that yardage, which sticks out like a sore thumb. But it's important to note that the only iteration that played that long was last season. Nicholas and his crew added 150 of those yards to the mix for the 2021 event. To me, some of the driving numbers might be a little off for that reason if using long-term data. Thick rough will add to that danger and present potential pitfalls for players in the field who cannot locate the short grass off the tee. But we have seen this venue yield accuracy returns as high as 70.2% in the past, which is an 8% enhancement over a typical test. 
As I said, I would be cautious in overanalyzing the ease of connecting since the past two years have had six of the eight rounds result in what would be classified as difficult hit fairways. But if nothing else, it further emphasizes the need for quality total driving. 13 water hazards and 73 deep bunkers encapsulate the property. And we see approach play and short game both highlighted as top factors on the track. Strokes gain approach in 2021 saw a 6% increase when it came to dispersion of scoring. And the 18.8% total in strokes gain around the green is 4.3% above average. Add all of that to the urgency players will feel the produce on the par fives and the safety that will be needed on the collection of par threes and fours that range from similar distances over and over again. And we get this test that can be hypersensitive on the greens because of the speed and overly complicated when it comes to the iron play since extra rollout can put players in a ton of tough short game scenarios. I'm going to very quickly rapid fire through my breakdown here. If you want to get the full breakdown, you can hear it over on Better Golf. But I did 40% on weighted tee to green. I did 10% on weighted fast bent grass. That is total plus putting. Strokes gain total at long courses with fairways that are anything but the most difficult to hit for 10%. 7.5% on Nicholas tracks. And then I closed it with a rather specific scoring zone that included 15% on weighted par 4 and 17.5% on weighted par 5. Well, there you have it. I think more so than most, this is a, a special week to know the course. It's a little bit different. It's going to be challenging. Uh, so listen to that back. Find your uh, your guys for this week, who you like to succeed with these challenges. And with that being said, let's dive right into the draft. Audience will be picking first, and I got to credit you guys. You're on a roll. The pick's already in, which I mm-hmm. love. Um, I'm going to go ahead. You guys actually, I'm so impressed by you. You got your pick in before I even got the draft board up. So that's impressive. That is. So here we go. I'm going to pull it up now. And then next on the clock is, is it me? It is. you. Yes. All right. Well, there you have it. So the audience, you went with Shane Lowry, which is a great pick. I mean, he's in, he's playing unbelievable. Um, You're getting him. I think he could have been priced up another thousand dollars at 10 K and no one would have bad denied. You get him a nine K with his ball strike right now. Uh, Really, really solid pick there. Um, for me with the second pick, I'm going to go ahead uh, and I'm going to go right back to Mito. Um, I love what I've seen out of Mito in the last couple of weeks. His ball striking has been elite. Um, and I, I just think at, at 8k, it's, you know, I don't, I'm actually, I'm going to go as far as say, I don't want to dip below 7,500 this week. I think I can say above that number and say pretty balanced. So I love being balanced this week, and Mito is probably my favorite play down here in the you know high sevens, low eight range. Yeah, I like I like the Mito play. I love I love Lowry and Mito. I mean, I, I think is is Lowry going to be the most popular guy? Is he going to be have the highest it, ownership? It looks like it right now. Um, so Lowry is t- trending towards about twenty percent. Uh, Mito is maybe going to be the second or third highest, but. I mean, from a safety perspective, those are probably two of my favorite plays on the board. So, I mean, depending on where you want to play them, I, I think they're definitely in play. Absolutely. Okay. I uh, So it's my pick, right? Yes. I'm going to go with, you know, I, I kind of, if I had the first pick, I probably would have gone with Shane Lowry and it, it would have changed my strategy up a little bit if I was able to select Lowry first. But I'm going to change things up. I think the guy I'm about to draft, I think there's a little bit of fatigue when it comes to this guy. Just, you know, because of the last two weeks, I think a lot of people have been on him. That doesn't mean I don't think he's going to be popular this week. I I, I guess I'm just saying, I don't think he's going to be quite as popular as he should be. 
And I don't know that he's priced where he should be. Now, he might have a little bit of trouble finding fairways, but everything else checks out. It's Jordan Spieth at 9,700. Love to start my team there. Spencer's shaking his head. I hope I took his guy. You did. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, man. Now he has back-to-back -back picks and he has no idea what to do. Oh, man. I actually kind of feel bad a little bit. <laughs> I mean, he was going to be my first pick. Um, he's the number one up. So Sam Burns last week was the number one upside player in my model. Jordan Spieth is the number one upside player in my model this week. Um, wow. I don't know how to build this lineup right now. I guess. Um, wow. I don't know what to do. Um, I, I guess I'll start with the two guys that I like the most. And at least then try to figure out the pieces from there with it. But um, <laughs> as you can tell, this is not an easy choice for me. I'm going to take Hideki Matsuyama at 9,200. Uh, you know, there are some concerns with him that some of these offshore markets don't seem to love him. But the price tag and ownership totals are both perfectly acceptable for me. He ranks first in this field when recalculating all non-putting numbers to mimic Mirfield. And he's one of only three players that finds himself inside the top 10 for both weighted par four and par five scoring. Uh, I think he's a really good play. I think he's really good to pair with Jordan Spieth. Unfortunately, I can't go that route, but mm. I guess I will lock in the player for me. That is probably my favorite play on the board. And the one thing I'll say with that is I don't expect anybody to take him, but with this lineup already kind of going rogue for me that I have to go off the board to try to figure this out at this point. Uh, I'm going to make sure I get this guy. And that is Sung J M at 8,900. Mm, damn it. Uh, I know that he has failed to come inside the top 50 at this tournament in his three attempts. But at some point, you have to question whether that's just bad form entering the week or somebody that doesn't like the course. And to me, it's somebody that is having bad form. So if we look specifically at the last three years that he's played this tournament, he averaged negative 1.76 shots with his irons during his three starts before the miscut in 2021. He averaged minus 2.68 between a five tournament span in 2020 with the approach game. And the same thing can be said during his 57th in 2019, a run that saw him average negative 2.85 with the irons over a four tournament span. Uh, that scenario is not in play this week as he has averaged plus 2.7 at the Charles Schwab and the RBC Heritage. And I think he actually creates one of the best leverage opportunities on the board. Yeah, I, I, that's the thing. It's the leverage with Songjae. And, and for the record, you know, we all kind of fall victim to, well, we haven't seen this guy in a while or, you know, he hasn't played well for, you know, a couple rounds here and there. He was great last week. And, and I think yeah. people expected, you know, I, I'm not really sure if he actually had COVID or he was in COVID protocols, didn't have it. Either way, you know, when you're coming back from that and you, you're not sure if, he, if he's been playing, you know, the last couple of weeks, you kind of like hesitate and last week he kind of showed why maybe you shouldn't hesitate because Tita Green he was great he just lost a ton with the putter so I, I think Sung Jay and, and I'm guessing his ownership at this point is tracking in like the six to seven percent range Spencer yeah he's sub 10 percent right now he has gained okay. a little bit of steam today I mean he looks more like the seven to nine percent range but okay. I wouldn't be shocked if that that number didn't end up more in that like you know five to ten anywhere between there seems possible to me Gotcha. Okay. I'll, I'll go ahead. And by the way, we have so many people in the chat. You guys, thank you for coming in here every Tuesday night at eight o'clock. We got Hingo. We got Courtney, David, who of course is part of the Win Daily team now. Jesse is in here. Uh, Carmen, of course, is in here. Ivan, Michael Brazil. 
has made an appearance in the chat. For those of you that don't know Michael Rosil, he used to host this very show. Uh, Back Nine Bets, of course, that's Byron in here. Steven is in here from Windaily as well. Uh, Farmer John, uh, you guys, uh, you literally make this show go. Like, I laugh all the time in this show, and it's not because Spencer and Joel are funny. It's because you guys are funny. Um, sometimes you guys are funny, too. I'm going to continue with the upside here. Uh, I didn't really uh, like my lineup formation is going to be a little different than I thought, but of course that's what happens in the draft cast. You know, people take your guy and, you know, so, so be it like Mito was one of the guy, one of the guys I was going to center my team around just because of his price. I'm going to go ahead with um, equal upside to Mito and that's Cameron Young. Um, Listen, he doesn't have course experience here, but I'm not sure that's an, especially with the, with the new renovations in 2021, I'm not sure that's an argument that's like, really going to sway me too much away from guys. Cameron Young's seventh in my model, but the last 24 rounds, he's first tee to green and he's first in par four scoring 450 to 500 yards. In other words, long par fours, which should be really no super surprise to anybody, but 8,800, I think he has win equity. I think everybody would believe that at this point. Nothing seems to phase him, including crowded fields like this with a ton of talent. So let me start with Cameron Young and Jordan Spieth. I don't even I don't even know if I'm going to dip into the elite range. I'm not sure I need to with the start I just did. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I said earlier in the show, I'm sticking to. I don't think the elite range is a necessity this week. I think there's plenty of value in the 9K and the 8K and being balanced. So that's definitely going to be my strategy. Uh, I like the Cameron Young pick. He's definitely someone that's going to be on my radar this week. I'm going to stay in that range. My favorite range this week is the 8K range. Uh, and I just think I'm, I'm going to take a golfer who seems underpriced to me in uh, Joaquin Neiman. Uh, I just think you're getting a really good number with him at 8,300. Definitely certainly has top 10 upside uh, and allows me to still have a lot of roster flexibility moving forward. Yeah, I like it. I have it. He hasn't made it onto any of the – I've only done a few teams. But, uh, Spencer, I'm curious where you land on that. How do you feel about Neiman this week? I like him. I I think that from a GPP perspective, that's going to be the best spot that you can put him into just because I do think there's volatility around him, but he's inside the top 10 on my model for upside. He has missed the last two cuts, uh, the last two times he's played this tournament, but uh, I always like Neiman as, as a player that's around 10% owned that does have real win equity. Okay, great. Uh, we already have one person nominated, um, so let's just take him off the board. Seamus Power has been nominated for team audience. Looks like Model Maniac, a.k.a. Byron, Ivan agreed with it, and I think somebody else. Oh, Courtney Harden agreed with Power as well. So he's certainly been nominated, and that's in there. Now we have other nominations, but we don't have a second one for any of the three. That, oh, yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. Wow. Okay, I was going to maybe steal this guy, but it looks like uh, AZN Shorty, which of course is Yamazaki in the Wind Daily Discord, and somebody else. Oh, David Bolesky, of course, of Wind Daily, have nominated Brendan Steele as a really great value at 6,600. As most of you know, he uh, has really great course history here. He's starting to get his groove back, if you will, get his game back together. The last couple of tournaments, he's been really good, including what was it, a top 10 at the PGA Championship? So at 6,600, given recent and course history, and good metrics recently. Uh, it seems like a steal, right, guys? <laughs> I see what you did there because his name. Uh, what? His name and then, oh, you and then caught that? Because I was, it was <laughs> a thing <laughs> I was doing. Yeah. Definitely a steal, at least of the Brandon variety. Oh, um, okay. Nice. Next level. Yeah. His name. Nice. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, he wasn't on my radar, but now that I'm looking at it, I think you're right. It is a really good value. It seems to have. Uh, found a little something recently. He's been playing well. The ball checking's been there. The course history. 
not a lot of good value down there in that six carriage. I think that's a, a solid value pick. Yeah, the offshore market, I noticed he is probably the largest climber when it comes to like your sharp books versus your square books. I've seen him as low as 80 to one at particular books to win this tournament. So that's always noteworthy when you get trends like that of a player moving in the correct direction, mostly at 6,600. So I don't want to derail this uh, too much. And Joel, I'm going to give you an extra 10 seconds because I do have an announcement to make. So this is via Dan Rappaport, and this is retweeted by Rick Gaiman, of course, at Rick Run Good. Uh, it looks like for, this is the tweet from Dan Rappaport. Here it is. 48 guys will play in the first live event. There are 42 names here on this list included in those names. Dustin Johnson. Wow. Sergio Garcia, Ian Poulter, Louis Ustazen. Um, and with uh, some, some some spots to be filled still. But wow, that's like a pretty big shock, obviously. I mean, I, you know, three of those names are not a shock, but Dustin Johnson is a pretty big shock, right, guys? Yeah, yeah. That's a really big shock. Dust, I that one I didn't expect. Um, interesting. I also yeah. didn't expect Louis. What'd you say? I also didn't expect Louis. Yeah, there was rumors about Louis though. Um, I, I'm not I'm not saying I expected it necessarily, but there were people talking about Louis. Um, you know, making the money there, and it, I mean, it does make sense if you think about it just from because because he has a chance. Like anybody's going to cash in if they go over there, but he has a chance to really cash in because he's going to be one of the elite guys out there. So imagine winning like three or four tournaments in a row out there. Like you're like like twenty million dollars later, you're like, yeah, this might have been an okay decision. So I mean, yeah. obviously, there's other uh, other things to factor in there in terms of whether you know. I I'll say this: DJ's playing over there. And DJ's going to call the PGA Tours bluff. And if I, I, you guys know I'm an attorney. If I'm, I am raising my hand as high as possible to represent DJ because, I, in my opinion, just from from what I've seen, what the PGA Tour is is trying to do, I, I don't think it's really uh, consistent with what their their bylaws are. And and I think once these guys lawyer up and they want to come back to the tour, I, I think there's going to be a pretty pretty heavy legal battle that I think some of these guys like DJ are going to end up winning. But again, I don't want to, I don't want to off track it too much, but that was again, just retweeted by Rick and reported by Dan Rappaport. So I wanted to put it out there, but Joel, it is your pick. All right. Back on the clock. Um, I'm going to go with my, another value pick. Uh, I'm really saving some money here. So I hope all the good guys aren't gone by the time it gets back to me, but I'm going with Chris Kirk. Uh, he's just mm -hmm. been, he's been playing super consistent. Um, I, he's got that top 10 upside. I would have thought he would have been priced in the 8K range. So to get him in the 7K range here allows me to really, I think, do what I want pretty much with the rest of my lineup. So I'm pretty happy with my start here. All right. I'm, I'm happy everybody likes their lineup right now other than me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm debating between a few guys here, and I think I can get, man – this is interesting. I think I can get one of them later. So I'm going to go. I want to make sure this guy hasn't been drafted and he hasn't. I'm going to stay in the 8K range, as it turns out. And uh, the neighbor to Cameron Young, of course, I can't go Sungjae because he's right above. So I'll go right below to Max Homa, who is in really good form. I mean, he kind of tailed off a little bit last week, but I think he kind of made up for it on Sunday. Ended up finishing 23rd, 13th at the PGA Championship, first place right before that. And sixth place here in 2021, I think 2021 is definitely, if you're going to look at the years, 2021 is certainly the most important, A, because it's the most recent one, but it's also post-course renovation. So I'm not saying the other years don't matter, but I definitely think 2021 sticks out way above the other years here. So a sixth place, or I should say a tied for sixth, 
uh, last year. Uh, give me Max Home at 8,700. Uh, I like I like the balance I'm building. I am going to have to dip a little bit lower, but so far so good. Yeah, that's I was deciding between Homo and Kirk with my last pick. I, I really like Homo this week. Another, it's a value, right? I think he's got a ton of upside under 9K. A really good pick. Thank All right, guys, sir. I will take the next two picks here. Um, as I said, I'm kind of flying by the seat of my pants here, just trying to make up plays as I go along with players that I like. Because I, I did not envision a scenario that Jordan Spieth was not going to be on my team, which has just <laughs> thrown me for an absolute loop here. But I'm going to take Siwoo Kim with my first selection. Kim has posted four consecutive top 41 finishes at Mirfield Village since 2018. While the current results are leaving something to be desired, I think the actual metrics look really good when we eliminate putting. He's gained T to green in 10 of 11 starts. He's averaging 3.4 to the field during that time frame. And really the flat stick is the only thing that's holding him back. So I think he should be an $8,000 plus golfer this week. I like the value I'm getting on him there. And then with my next play, I don't really know where that's going to leave me. Um, but I am going to maybe make a little surprising of a pick here. And I'm going to take Ricky Fowler at 7,200. Mm. So four top 14 finishes at this course in his last five attempts. I think the form is trending in the right direction. He has two top 23s over his last three appearances on tour. And there were ways that I ran my model that he entered the top 10. That took like the extreme volatility and, and just got rid of everything else with it. But I, I'm going to take a chance with Ricky Fowler this week. I agree. He has great history here. Like you were saying, um, his form has come around. I mean, maybe a little bit of a step back last week, but I like what I've seen out of Ricky recently. And uh, at 7,200, I'm with you on him there. Yeah, I think he's intriguing. Yeah, so I'm already ready for my pick. So I wanted to I wanted to go a little bit higher, but I realized that was going to kind of hamstring me a little bit. So I'm going to go with a guy that's 7,500. That Let me just make sure I'm right about this. That was... Finished T9 here last year. Uh, pretty good showing. He gained, just so just so you know, the, the metrics last year, he gained 7T to green. He actually gained 2.5 with the putter, which is a little surprising for this guy. Most of you probably know who I'm talking about at 7,500. It's Aaron Wise. Um, give me Aaron Wise. I mean, I'm not saying he's mispriced or anything, but I do think he's on the come up, and I think we're, we're probably going to see that uh, here and now. I mean, uh, 23rd at the PGA Championship. 51st before that, 6th before that, that was in Mexico, 21st at the RBC. So he's clearly in good form. The putter looks to be improving a little bit, and it certainly was really good in 2021 on this very track. So Aaron Wise at 7,500 uh, feels like a pretty good value to me. Sounds like a wise pick to me. Oh, very good. <laughs> wow. And, and, and I'll say it for you, Sia, he is mispriced. Fair enough. Oh, but can I just say, th there are a lot of misprices this week. You're like, keep it just, I'm going to do, I'm going to do, 20 seconds on this while while Joel considers his pick. You have to slot these guys somewhere, okay? And, and what ends up happening with so much talent, some of this, these younger guys like Davis Riley or, or Mito Pereira or Cameron Young, they have to go somewhere. And these elite players have to go somewhere. And because they're considered elite and because they have a longer, they have a pedigree, they're typically going to be above. So if you look at the 9K range and you look at the 8K range, especially the bottom of the 9 and the top of the 8, you could make all those guys 9K if you want to. It, it, like DraftKings, it doesn't have the ability to do that. They have to kind of list them accordingly. But I don't want people to get stuck in the idea of like, oh, well, this guy's in the 10K range and this guy's in the 9K range. Do I really want to go down to the 8K range when I can just get this 9K guy? A lot of these guys are one and the same, especially what, like from Mito Pereira up, 
there is a lot of these guys kind of swimming and melting together. So don't be stuck in your ways with, I want to get a guy in this range and a guy in this range. Cause the Rangers are all screwed up this week. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I agree with that. Um, it feels like a big kind of mush pot of guys who you can kind of can be interchanged. Uh, but for me, uh, with my next pick, I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to take Cameron Smith. Um, I just think he's one of the best golfers on tour this year. You know, I think he's playing as well as anyone. I think he, he continued to get disrespected on price. I, I think he should be in the 10K range and then the upper tier, one of the top two or three guys. And considering he hasn't gotten there yet, I still think there's value at 9,900. As the audience uh, makes their selection, and by the way, audience, if you haven't hit the like button yet, please do. But as they nominate, it looks like Fitzpatrick is one of their picks for sure. So you guys can stop with Fitzpatrick. David, Courtney, Edward, and Byron all agree on that one. So that's one. Nominate the second one while I um, I ask this question. Cameron Smith, how's his ownership looking? I see it at 15%. So that okay. puts him as the... Uh, ninth highest owned player in my model. Okay. That seems pretty reasonable. Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, from a stylistic standpoint, you would think this is an ideal setup for him. We haven't necessarily seen that historically with miscut in 2021, 68th in 2020, two miscuts in 2019 and 2018, um, a 65th in 2017. I don't know. I mean, he's a better golfer now. The irons are better. He's still going to have to keep the ball in play though off the tee. Mm-hmm. for sure he's gonna have to that's that's his achilles heel and if he does keep it in play he should do really well but that i had the same thought process i saw that i saw his history i was like oh maybe he doesn't play well here but then i went back to he's a different golfer today than yeah. he's historically been and so it's hard to take history for guys like him i would agree all right so we have the second guy's been uh nominated and and voted in it's matt kuchar any thoughts there boys I like Kucher. I mean, he's been playing really well over the last month or so. Um, he's got one of the best around the green games on tour, which should be a big factor this week. So if, if he you know, excels there, keeps it in the ferry, which he normally does, uh, I think he's – my only thing I don't love about Kucher is I would have liked him in the lower 7K range. I think it's a little bit of a steep price for him, but I think he's a good fit here. I'm marginally okay with the price tag just because when we're looking specifically at the course, this is a really good course fit for him. He has three top 32s in the last five years. Two of those have come inside the top 13 and the form has turned around recently. Like he has multiple top 20 finishes over the last five or six tournaments. All right. Um, Joel, it is already back on you. I'm already ready for my next pick too. We are like rolling along here, but no pressure, Joel, uh, if, if you're not ready yet. So I, I ran into a snag for pricing on my next two picks. The guy I want to take is going to leave me with no one that I want for my next pick. So I'm kind of adjusting to find some, someone I'll like better, uh, who won't will leave me in a different, a better position in my next pick. So I'm going to go with a guy who's just been unbelievable. Now it's hard to imagine he can possibly sustain the ball striking he's had. But I guess until he proves us wrong, I'll go back to it. And that's Davis Riley. Uh, at, at his price, 8,600, he's been one elite ball striking. He's looked unbelievable. My hesitation is he's got to come back, regress to the norm at some point, or he can't sustain this forever. But maybe there's another week left. So at 8,600, I'll go there. I like it. Okay, so I will say the following. 
that I don't want to dip into the 6K range in this tournament. I just don't think I need to. I want to build balanced lineups because I respect the 8K range so much and some of the 7K range. With that said, the way I started my lineup with Jordan Spieth and Cameron Young, it forces me into a strategy that I, I wasn't going to go with. Because like I said, I was going to go Jordan Spieth, Mito Pereira if it was my choice. That would have given me a lot more money to play with if I just, you know, I, I could have taken out Young, put in Mito, and still drafted home and wise. And I'd have, let's see, um, 800 more than, I, than I'm going to have. So I just want to put that out there. I'm about to go into the 6K range, but I don't plan on doing it often. If I do... It's going to be with a handful of guys, like like three or four. And Lucas Glover is probably going to lead the charge there. So Lucas Glover is a guy who has been great tee to green. He was typically pretty good tee to green, especially good with the ball striking. Last week, he was excellent tee to green, as usual. I shouldn't say as usual, but like as expected. And he lost six strokes with the putter. He's bad with the putter. He's Kyle Stanley with the putter. It's like really that bad, actually. Like he's losing. It's not like he loses with the putter like 10 tournaments in a row. It's like he loses significantly with the putter three out of four times. With that said, there are times where he doesn't lose significantly with the putter. He's great tee to green. This is a course that could potentially benefit um, bad putters a little bit. And this pick sets me up for what I want to do with my next pick, which is kind of a giveaway. But my next pick is is after Spencer goes, and I don't think he's taking my guy. So I'm going to go Lucas Glover to set up the team that I want. How much do you have left? 8,800. I kind of just want to steal your pick because you've stolen <laughs> so many of mine. And I, I, I really like the, the Glover selection. So uh, just to double down on that, he has gained 14.9 shots over his past two starts with the approach game. That is staggering numbers. Absurd. Like if you can get any semblance of the putter, he has a chance to, you know, I don't want to like overstate the situation, but he can compete on the first page of the leaderboard. If you just like, if he's neutral with the putter, I think that that's not an exaggeration to say that. So I really like the Glover play that kind of once again, puts me in a bind. If I had a full salary range left with all the players at my disposal, I do like Jordan Spieth and Cameron Tringali. I think Tringali is an interesting play for this tournament where you're going to create a lot of leverage. Uh, I kind of sort of like Chan Kim, and maybe that's just a shout out to Nick there. If mm. I was able to get to John Rom, I would consider going Rom and Chan Kim. But uh, since I cannot do that, By I the way, was... I, I'm in on Tringali. I think that's a really good leverage play as well. Sorry, Spencer, keep going. No, and I, I agree too. Like it's, I hope somebody takes him because I think he's a very good selection for this tournament. And I'm disappointed now that I'm not going to be able to, but. Uh, I will make this rather simple, I guess. I want a Jordan Spieth, not going to be able to go there. I will go to Xander Shoffley at 10200 Don't necessarily love the price tag on him here, but like the course history a lot, like how he sets up from a metric standpoint for this course. There's three straight top 14 finishes for him at this venue. So I will go with Xander and then just to double check the situation that I have enough money left. So I will have 6,900. Um, so while you're thinking about that, Spence, I do want to point this out. So so Byron's right here. When we're talking about Team No Putt, Keegan's usually on that, but he he's not really anymore because of what the modeling says. I do want to say, though, and, and this is I'm going off memory here from looking at this a couple of days ago. 
I believe the reason he's looking so good, like last 24, 36 rounds, is because he gained something insane at the Wells Fargo, like nine strokes putting or something like that. So, yes, his putting is improved, even if you take the Wells Fargo out. But be careful in the modeling because there is sometimes like really major outliers. And it's a good outlier. You, he can spike with the putter better than we ever thought. I get that. But just keep in mind that those like nine strokes he gained, something crazy are kind of baked into that model. So so be careful there. He still might kind of be on Team No Putt, but not nearly as much as he was before. Yeah, I think that's a really good point to throw out there. Like, that's one of the reasons why, and, and I run things longer than everybody else does, obviously, with like a two-year model or a running two-year model with it. But uh, when you look at like last, you know, 12 rounds, last 20 rounds, last 24 rounds, whatever the sample size is, you do get minor deviations that one bad round or one bad tournament kind of shifts things a little bit much there. But uh, I am for my final pick, and this is somebody that's going to have a lot of volatility to him. He's missed two cuts in a row, but does have a 22nd at this course. I think you can consider an option like Matt Jones. That's another guy that I, I seem to like at these courses where they're a little bit longer. The around the green game matters, but uh, I'm going to take a chance now that I'm down in this range, and I'm going to take Eric Van Royen at 6,600. Probably would have preferred Lucas Glover for a little bit more of the safety that he provides, but Van Royen is 19th in my model from a weighted tee to green standpoint, uh, which is 48 spots above what I would expect at any random track. Yeah, that's an interesting one. I have a guy I want to ask you guys about after these last three picks go that that Matt Jones reminded me of. I want to see if you're playing him. But OK, so it's back to me. I, I get to have my guy. And frankly, I knew I could wait last for this guy because I don't think anybody wants him. It's Daniel Daniel Berger at eighty five hundred. So oh, I wish I would have stolen him. I like Daniel. I have an outright ticket on him. We'll get to it in a second. I don't mean to oh, cut wow. you off there. I wish I would have stolen him from you. So just so you know, I'm, I'm on VSIN with, uh, with Gil Alexander at nine o'clock tonight, like right after the show. And I'm going to give some outright quote bombs. Daniel Berger at 60 to one. Yes. I mean, come on, man. Like that's like, I don't care if you like Daniel Berger or not. Like 60 to one is just too much. I, I would agree with the sentiment that he doesn't have much win equity in this, in this field, but 60 to one is just too much for Daniel Berger. So that, just FYI that like, that's one of the, and actually. I may or may not have him on my first round leader card as well. Here's the thing about Daniel Berger that I think is a little um, deceiving. If you watched him last week, he was great with the ball striking. He kept the ball in the fairway. He was good on approach. He was bad with the putter. Keeping it in the fairway, being good on approach, that's exactly what you need here. He's checking those boxes. The putter, while he overall lost with the putter, if you go round by round, he actually had two out of four days where he actually gained with the putter. There was one day, I believe it was Friday, where he lost almost three strokes with the putter. Then on Sunday, he lost a very marginal amount with the putter. Long story short, the point I'm making is he gained two of those rounds. And we know, like, historically, he can be a good putter. So if the ball striking is married to the putting here, this is a guy that's 8,500. Maybe he belongs in the 9K range. I'm not sure. But the point is his upside if you if 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 you look at his ceiling, which he doesn't seem to be very far from, uh, I think he's definitely underpriced. And the ownership, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, is super low, right, Spencer? Uh, it is five point six percent. Give me some of that. And, yeah, that. from from a metric standpoint, he's fourth in my model overall. I I think like he's exactly what you're looking for in GPP contests. It's that low owned, high upside where nobody's gonna play him, but if he spikes, he can win the tournament. So. Um, I really, really like the pick. Yeah, so, and go ahead, Joel. I was just going to say, David bringing in that yeah, he's he's done well at, at Nicholas Courses in the past. Go ahead, Joel. My concern with Berger is this. I've seen consistently, and I have no knowledge of this. This is just me 
seeing what I've seen in the betting markets. Over the last three weeks, his odds in, in matchups and in outrights have been significantly worse than they normally are. I think there might be a lingering injury, which mm-hmm. is causing the markets to to because you remember he had the, some back issues. He withdrew. I think was it Mexico. He withdrew from that tournament. Even before uh, that, he withdrew. He had a rib injury before that when when yeah. we were on the Florida swing. I think the first leg of the Florida swing he withdrew as well. Because you're right. If you look at where he normally is with pricing and odds and matchups and everything, and where he's now, it's not the same. So. I'm using that assumption as maybe there's an injury that we don't know about, and that's what's causing the, the change. Because other than that, everything you said is right. The upside's there. He seems underpriced. Everything else makes sense. I was watching him a little bit last week, and and I, apparently not close enough because at one point the announcer, and this was on the, uh, what is it, the the app. It wasn't on like the 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 TV broadcast. They said he had like grabbed at his back, but then I like kept watching and I didn't see any sign of that. He still had like nine holes to play, he seemed to be fine. So there might, to your point, Joel, there might be a back issue. So it may be something to monitor tomorrow if maybe he meets the press or anything like that. But I think I'm willing to take the chance because it doesn't seem like if that injury existed, it definitely existed last week because I heard rumblings about it and he made it through the the four days just fine. Yeah, his ball striking was good. So it didn't seem like, you know, he, he seems like he, he can certainly play through it. So, uh, I like the pick. All right. Uh, I'm going to wrap up this trip. My last pick is going to be Alex Norton. Uh, going off the same the same thing we've been saying every show. You know, if you liked a guy two weeks ago, not much has changed in a week, right? He let us down a little bit in the PGA where everyone loved him. I think a lot of people are going to come off of him from that tournament, but he's still the same guy. His ball striking has been really good at 7,500. He should be a good course fit with his around the, a green, around the green game. So uh, that's how I'm going to run out my squad here. And guys, the audience, man, they 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 need to work the ends more often. I didn't know they could be this good at it. See, this is like a well-oiled machine now. We've been doing the show a few months now with this format. We're all kind of like, you know, getting used to the mechanics of it. The audience not only has perfected their lineups like they did last week, like literally almost a perfect lineup, but like this process, they've actually perfected. They're way better than us at it. Yeah. All of us. Seriously. That's that's incredible. So it's it's Victor Hobland. I actually yeah, I like, like this it. pick. I, I think the ownership's going to be a little bit lower than it should. Yeah, I, I think it's a really good pick. You know, the concerns with Hoblin are he's one of the worst around the green players on tour, and you kind of – that could be an issue here. But if he has one of those weeks where he's just hitting every pin and doesn't ever miss the green, then it won't matter. And that's what Hoblin is. That's why he's like – he's very hit or miss. When he's on and he's dialed in, he's one of the best ball strikers. Around the green is irrelevant because he's never around it. Uh, and so it just matters of how many uh, – how dialed in he'll be if he is, he has a ton of upside. Yeah. If like different players would have been on the board, or if I was able to build this in a different sense with it, I would have considered a Victor Hovland, Aaron wise type of finish to my lineup. If wise would have been available for me. So like Hovland Rom, um, obviously I took Xander. Those were kind of like my final players. That I was trying to make a decision between. I love it. That's a wrap. We're, we're going to do our final segment of who did we, are we surprised, did not get drafted. Uh, but while we're doing that, please don't forget, give us a like, give us a follow. Don't forget to hop in on Twitter. Let us know, hop in the chat. Let us know what team you think is best. Who do you think is going to win this week? We're going to get drafted. We're going to have a new winner. Uh, but let's start with you, Sia. Who are you surprised did not get drafted? Yeah, so I guess I should be looking at the top of the board here. Um John Rom didn't get drafted, right? No. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess it would have to be the top two guys, Rom and Rory. I mean, I, mm. I, I would have thought one of those two or maybe Morikawa would have gotten drafted, but clearly people were going for a little bit more balance this week. 
Yeah, I would have given the same answer as those three. I believe they were the, I'm scrolling through it right now. I think they were the three highest owned players that didn't get picked. Uh, the other one, unless I am incorrect, uh, Patrick Reed didn't get taken, right? Mm, right. Right. So yeah, maybe Patrick Reed just to be different, but any of those guys at the top of the board in the $10,000 range. And, and to be honest, I kind of like all of them. So um, maybe a little bit surprising based off of that. Mm-hmm. Mine was going to be Reed for sure. I was looking to get Reed in my lineup. The salary wasn't matching up at the end. So I ended up in a different direction, but I really like Reed this week. And also the one other person that I mentioned, Will Zalatoris, he's been playing well, yes. maybe a little bit last week, but as well as he's been playing, uh, in the 9K range, I thought he, he uh, would, could have been drafted as well. Shoot, real quick, do you guys like Cam Davis this week? Good showing last week. I, yeah, when you brought up Matt Jones, it made me think of Cam Davis. I do. I, al- I always like him. Okay. I, do. I think he's a lot of upside. Again, he's risky. He can miss the cut. I wouldn't be overweight on him, but someone I'll sprinkle into some GPPs for sure. Gotcha. He's uh-huh. like one of those ideal GPP targets that mm-hmm. has a ton of upside to him. Mm-hmm. All right, that's a wrap for the draft here, but we're not done yet. Before we get you guys out of here tonight, we do have our outrights and our first round leaders. We're going to do it a little differently tonight. Sia might have to jump a little bit early. So, Sia, why don't you start off by giving us both your outrights and your first round leader? Oh, I love this. All right. So, let's start with outrights. So, I... um. I'm giving like just basically long shots, 45 to one and longer. I'm only going to give four because like I said last week, I want to reserve some room for live betting, which I think is so great when it comes to tournament outrights. I think live betting is is where you want to be, especially on Thursday and Friday in particular, where there's still time to chase the leaders down. Uh, Mito Pereira at 45 to one. Daniel Berger, like I said, at 60 to one. Alex Noren at 80 to one. looks like there's a lot of love for Alex. I know David was in here saying he liked him. Joel, I love that pick. Uh, quite a bit. And then Brandon Steele at 150 to one because it's 150 to one. But I mean, I, you know, it's Brandon Steele at the end of the day. Um, first round leader. So I was going to have Brandon Steele in there. He almost made the cut. He was 100 to one as first round leader. Um, I think he was going off in the afternoon, which dis- dissuaded me a little bit. But I got to say, I don't think there's a huge weather or course edge here. So I do have some afternoon guys included in my first round leader market. It just so happens that Brandon Steele didn't make the cut because I, I like these guys more. And he also happened to be in the afternoon. Um, the first guy, you know, I might change this, but the first guy is Keegan Bradley at 50 to one. Again, we know he can spike with the putter. He does seem to be a good course fit. And if the irons are, are clicking, we're not going to have to worry about the around the green game, even though he's, he's okay there, but, um, you're looking for a good ball striker, maybe calm conditions. I think Keegan could be a first round leader at 50 to one Daniel Berger at 55 to one. Again, he just has to get the putter going Aaron wise at 70 to one Lucas Glover at 130 to one and the breaking news Man, we've said this guy's name like five times in the last 40 seconds. Alex Noren at 70 to 1. Let's let's go for it. I think Alex Noren, listen, he has a good course history here. He was good in 2021. The game's been a little off lately. Uh, you know, he gave people a miscut uh, recently. I can't remember if that was the PGA Championship or what it was. But, yeah, Alex Noren at 70 to 1. I'll take that. So Keegan at 50 to 1. Daniel Berger, 55. Aaron Wise at 70. Alex Noren at 70, Lucas Glover at 130. If I do change one of those, it'll be Keegan. So look out for my Twitter. Maybe I'll have somebody I like way better than Keegan, but um, four of those five are definitely staying. I love it. I love your car. I think we, we have a lot of overlap, which is a great sign. Um, thanks, yeah, that sounds great. Spence, how about you? Who do you got in the outright market? So in the outright market, I have four players. Jordan Spieth, 22 to one. Hideki Matsuyama, 28 to one. 
Sungjae M forty to one, and I also bet Daniel Berger at sixty to one. I love it. the The overlap here is is maybe as high as it's been of any tournament, which I love. For me in the outright market, I had Berger as well at sixty to one. Uh, I really like Patrick Reed at sixty five to one. I, I just think he's a really good course fit. His, his game is turned a corner. I think the pricing is still too low on him. And the fun one of the week for me, I know it's hard to imagine him winning a tournament right now, but at 100 to 1, I'll, I'll throw a buck or two on Bryson DeChambeau. Oh, Listen, nice. if he can come back out here and hit the ball straight for a week, 100 to 1 seems like too much for as good as a golfer is. And he seems to have played well here. But, you know, you do have to stomach the fact that can he play four days? He can barely play a tournament. So there's a big risk in that one. All right. Now, our first-round leader, how about you, Spence? Anyone in the first-round leader market? I took a lot of plays in this tournament. With it being a 120-man field, I think you can be a little bit more aggressive. Like, I don't want to say that we're going to have an eight-way tie or nine-way tie like we did last week, but it's a little bit easier to take some chances, in my opinion. So I did Doug Gim 150-1. to Uh, For the record, he has been blacklisted on anything that is not a first-round leader bet for the foreseeable future. I'm still an addict and have to get my fix, but 150-1 to will work for one day. I took Emiliano Grillo at 150-1. to Matt Jones, 130 to one, Eric Van Royen, hundred to one. And then the four choices that are a little bit, I guess, more likely to happen. Daniel Berger, 55 to one, Aaron Weiss, 70 to one, Ricky Fowler, 80 to one. And then I'm going to be very heavy on Sung JM everywhere. That is 42 to one. I like it. I like it. For me in the first round leader market, my long shot is going to be Arnabon Lahiri at 100 to 1. I really like the way he's playing. I'm going to be playing him in DFS some this week as one of my value plays. Uh, I think he can go low on, on a day one at 100 to 1. Um, then, as we get a little bit more into the reality, I, I'm with Sia. I think Alex Norin at 71 is a really good number for him. Uh, Daniel Berger at 55 to 1. And then up top, Max Homa at 40 to 1. Uh, that's a wrap for the first round leaders for the outright tickets. Again, this is one of the tournaments that's the closest to a major, even though it's not a major, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's a pretty full field. So I'm super excited. Don't forget to hit the like button. Give us a follow. Let us know whose team you think is best, but that's a wrap for tonight. See ya. Did I miss anything? Uh, just two things. One, uh, David, with a little bit of a forecasting here, but it's obviously not an exact science. We may have thunderstorms Thursday a.m. So just keep that in mind. I don't know that it affects anything really because we don't know how that, you know, how much of a delay there is going to be. It might actually give credence to the fact that a.m. p.m. in terms of first round leaders, maybe it really doesn't matter right now because we have no idea whether there's going to be delays when guys are playing, when guys are finishing up. But maybe monitor the weather tomorrow when you're in Discord or the Wind Daily Sports Discord. Uh, David's usually really on top of that. Steven's really on top of that. Stay tuned for the um, Spencer. Are, is your T to Green article out already? Uh, it will be out tonight. Tonight. Oh, wow. Okay. And then Steven's article on ownership and, and um, many other things are out tomorrow and uh other than that uh just one thing left sports <laughs>